Hi, I am Jen Matthews, and I'm an adoptee. You're listening to Conversations About Adoption, a podcast where I interview and converse with other adoptees and first parents about their stories and other issues around adoption. My goal is to spread the perspectives of other adoptees and first parents so we can challenge the common narratives and misconceptions of adoption and hopefully shed light on the social justice issues pertaining to adoption, as well as the issues adoptees and first parents face on a regular basis. Hi, what you're about to listen to is a super impromptu, spontaneous conversation. Um, I happened to be alone last night, and I said, well, let's see if anybody's around, and I posted a video on TikTok, and I got lucky enough the outspoken adoptee and a few others responded. She responded first, and I was kind of hoping she would, along with a few other people. This is a great conversation. We talked for over two hours, but it's great with podcasts because you can pause and come back to it later if you've got something to do and don't have enough time to listen to the whole thing. We listened to the video she made last week where she got upset about somebody saying that adoption costs too much, and we talked about that, and being a transracial adoptee growing up in Utah. I invite adoptive parents to listen to my podcast, especially when I talk to adoptees, to hear our side of the story and how adoption really affects us as people and Please don't take offense to anything that we say because it's not about you. It's also important that you listen to the stories of first mothers. And I do welcome comments. You can do so on my pod page website. So without further ado, I, uh, I present the outspoken adoptee. So Desiree is the outspoken adoptee on TikTok. And I just came across your channel. I don't know how long have you been on there. Not even that long. I probably so found I, you when yeah, you started. Yeah, I finally got up enough nerve to go on there after seeing so many people sharing their lived experiences. It's kind of like you—you you feel like you have to add your voice in at some point you know what I mean because one you have that voice of being an adoptee but then two you also have the voice of being a transracial adoptee yeah in this state that people don't understand Utah is a very unique culture very very unique culture and people don't understand what it's like to be in Utah (laughs) and grow up here with the the religion here yeah i have never never been in utah except wait nope nope never been in utah (laughs) yeah it's it's unique the so for those that don't know the the lds church obviously is is major here the the mormons they their faith is founded on what I feel is part of some white supremacy beliefs because of the fact that they do believe um, white is white and delightsome. And they believe that 
black people were born with the curse. They were sit, they have the sin of blackness. They were cursed by Cain. They have this whole story behind it. Uh, black people weren't even allowed it to hold priesthood in their church until seven, 1978. So, I mean, they have a long history with this. So to see children being adopted here into these families, I know that the purpose behind it is not because they're helping a child in crisis. They have ulterior motives behind it. And it's, it, it's heartbreaking. And then to know how it was to just grow up in a state that is so closeted racist. We still have sundown towns that I didn't even know we still, that we even had sundown towns in Utah. You know, that's something you thought was down South. <laughs> you know, I, I've no, I've heard the term, but I am not sure what it is. Can you refresh me on that one? So obviously I'm still, even myself, deprogramming the stuff that was ingrained in me growing up, having two well-meaning but racist parents mm. um, and family members, extended family members as well. So for me, I'm still trying to deprogram a lot of that while learning a lot of what was never taught to me either. So my understanding of a sundown town is kind of the same way you probably grew up. I grew up, you come in before the lights at the street come on. Yeah. It's kind of that same thing. If you were black in a town, you would go in before it got dark because that's when the bad things would happen. So for us, for me to hear that here in Utah, we still have towns like that. Um, wow you know I, I grew up here you know I'm, I'm 45 um and so to hear that it just coming out of the fog has been so just it's almost like I, I a rapid fire playback mm-hmm. of your entire life hits you all at once mm-hmm. and then sometimes it hits you in pieces. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of get this rapid fire playback and you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold yep. on. Yep. <laughs> and other times it's just like, you're just having a normal day and somebody will say something and you're just like, what bap? Uh-huh. the face. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. And then somebody else will say something, um, you know, and you're just like, crap. And you're like, oh my gosh. Um, it just, it's amazing to come out of it and to see things with eyes open, truly, truly open and not rose colored glasses on, not, you know, hiding my feelings anymore, not trying to save somebody else's feelings, even somebody so abusive. I'm still protecting their feelings over mine. Ooh, like, Ooh. That is, that is a hard realization when you realize you're protecting somebody else's feelings over your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like That's rough. a lot of, a lot of adoptive parents, just, there's just this air of insecurity and mm. like, it doesn't matter how you would bring it up in what context you would see, even if they don't say anything, like with my mom, I would see like her shoulders stiffen up, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. 
and yeah they had nothing to tell me because i was a closed adoption and it'd be like well that doesn't matter because you're ours now i heard that so yes just totally dismissed like my feelings had no validity like eh, whatever yeah why why do you even need to know where you came from and why you're in this family you're in this family yeah exactly yeah like really simple answers to things Mm -hmm. like shut up I, I gave you an answer. You're a child. I gave you an answer. Now leave. Yeah. You're, you should be good with that answer. Yeah. And it's, it's no, I always uh, searched for clues to tell me why, why am I in this existence? How did I get here? Yeah. Um, I was telling my therapist, I, I was telling her, I, always was going and snooping through everyone's stuff. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm noticing this about us. So, (laughs) so Nebby. Yeah. I said, I respected other people's privacy. So friends, their families, I could respect their privacy. Yeah. But when it came to my own family, if Uh they left the house, I was in your room. I'm going through your stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Me if, you too. Had a, if you had a journal, I was grabbing my popcorn and I was reading your journal. Like <laughs> I, nothing. I held nothing back because I truly was looking for pieces, clues. Like y'all are lying to me. Like I'm brown. Y'all is white. What is going on here? How did I end up here? Nothing fit. Yeah. I asked, you know, well, where is my mom? And I just got told, well, she was 16, she was pregnant, and she was on drugs. And you're like, and? And that's all you were told. That's it. Yeah. And you're just like, and? And they're like, period, end of story. And you're like, no, and? Yeah. Because to a child that doesn't, you didn't understand drugs and pregnant and baby. Yeah. Right. Right. What's the rest of the story? You're missing something. I'm missing something. How did I get here? Right. My mother was (laughs) 16 and my mom was like, you know, and that was one thing about my mom. She would call her my natural mother. She never said birth mother. That wasn't even a thing really in the seventies quite yet. And she she would tell me, you know, your natural mother was young and she needed to finish high school. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) The same thing. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And where's the rest of this? My brain didn't want to understand that. I was like, so what? (laughs) Right. You're like, you're you're leaving parts out. Yeah. So you were adopted at birth then? So I was seven days. Okay. Yeah. Me too. When I was brought so home. I have, yep, I have no clue where my existence was for seven whole days. I was um, in the See, and I kind of think I was too, um, from what I'm learning now. So, and it's funny that we're even talking about this. I've been cleaning out my second bedroom and I found my non-identifying information. And I was like, oh, let's read that again. And it's funny that we are we in every way are just lied to. We are so lied to by these people that say that they love us. They wanted us so bad. I mean, hell, I was literally custom ordered and yet I was still lied to. My finding out and then even when I met my birth mother two years ago, 
this woman was 20, was never on drugs. Oh, wow. She was intellectually delayed, or is intellectually delayed. Um, So she never really held down a job, but she is full on self-sufficient to live on her own, cook, eat, grocery shop, figure out how to get to on the bus to Walmart and back home and other stores and home. Yeah. She is, you know what I mean? Um, But she is very easily manipulated. Mm. She gets angry like a child. Probably, I, I would say her emotion regulation would probably be that of a teenager. Mm. young preteen teenager. Yeah. Um, and same with that manipulation, very easily manipulated. And so I can see how she was very easily coerced into yeah. relinquishment because 15 months later, here comes my all white half sister and she was kept. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, I mean, all these little bombs are being thrown at me and I'm just like, all of this is hogwash. Y'all fed me some, just a huge pile of shit with whipped cream sprinkles and a cherry on top and served it to me and said, oh no, it's a beautiful thing. It's adoption. And I'm like, no, it's shit covered in prettiness. I I, love the way you put this. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but it just made me so mad. I think I got so angry when I... Uh, realized that it was all a facade yeah how old do you think you were when you figured that out oh oh this is all like within the last like two years okay I barely just even broke my trauma bond with my dad in the last what I would say I was 43 so I held on tight to all this yeah. because I waited for my white adopted mom to die. I mm-hmm. waited for her to die because I still held on to that gratitude in some sick way. I think I kid you not. Yep. And I, I shit you not. I will 100% till the day I die say that we have Stockholm syndrome. I mean, really way. another thing they call it in psychology is learned helplessness where um like some of these experiments they did back in the day were so unethical mm-hmm. but this was one um they would have like a dog in a cage with an electrified floor and the dog would keep getting shocked and getting shocked and it's freaking out and trying to escape and it can't because it's in a crate with an electrified floor and right. eventually where can you go gives up and it's just sitting in the corner with its head down and that's learned helplessness. It learns that it can't do anything to get out of the situation that it's in. Yep. And as children, we're kind of like that because we can't, we rely on these people for our needs to be met, you know, yep. physical and emotional and nutritional. <laughs> you know, and if you're thinking back in the 70s, I mean, like we've seen a lot of progression since the 70s as far as like mental health goes. And, you know, I think back in the 70s, people were still seeing, they're thinking of mental health and seeing like cuckoo's nest, you know, oh, oh, I don't totally. want to get sent away to a place like that. And yeah, totally. So like my parents would have never even thought about 
like a nope. counselor for me or anything nope. like that. And, Same. Um, yeah, I was fortunate in a weird way. We had our schools went through this consolidation thing and all these kids from all these different areas were all put together in one school and they brought in somebody to be, I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but they were called a MAPS counselor. So that if you were having trouble with like people or just needed somebody to talk to and like somewhere in my little peewee brain, I knew I needed to talk to somebody and I was in her office every chance I had, you know, just right. dumping about everything that was going on in my life. And like, I was, I was constantly bullied, especially after that, because there were kids from other areas that didn't know me and I got picked on for everything and they loved the adoption thing. Oh, your mom didn't oh, want yeah. you. And yep. 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 Anything that they can just keep adding on top of it, you're just like, seriously? I kids are mean. They are. They truly are. I mean, and I'm not going to lie. Was I an asshole as a child? Of course. Yeah. Because I liken it to that movie, Ant Bully. The kid gets picked on, so he picks on the ants. Right. He has to find somebody else to pick on because yeah. you do get angry as a kid. Yeah. We have all the same emotions as an adult. We just don't know how to regulate them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was really angry as a kid. Oh. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. I was I was definitely pegged the mean kid. I don't know about that so much, but like my mom and I were like oil and water. I had so yeah. little patience for her. Yeah. Like she'd be in the middle of a sentence <laughs> and I'm walking out the room. You know, like just like ugh, like everything. Serious. You know. Are you done? Are you done? Like yeah. 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 In, in what was it? I want to say it was probably ninth from ninth grade on. We would, the nickname we had for my white adopted mom was the beast. What was that? <laughs> the beast. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because, but, and I kid you, nobody liked to come over to my house. And as a kid, you don't really understand why kids uh, don't want to come to your house like what's so bad about my house but then when you start getting older and you go to their house yeah more often and you see that their families are normal you're like oh oh right. you know there's something wrong but you know I don't think that I had anyone I didn't I knew not to trust adults wow I knew that really early, early on. You don't trust adults. They don't help. Huh. Adults don't ever help. So did your parents, like, was adoption, I mean, obviously, you're not the same race as them, so you probably had some idea. But did they, like, was it always a part of your story, or did they have to, like, spring it on you, or? <laughs> no, so I was 100% a fetish baby. Um, my, so my mother is, um, Roma and is her heritage. Okay. Um, my father is just your run of the mill, white Mormon, <laughs> white pioneer, uh, Mormon. They got together and they had three biological sons. So I have brothers that are 14, 13, and five years older than me. Mm. So at the birth 
of the one that's five years older than me, she told him, I want a daughter. Get me a daughter. Get me a daughter. Get me a daughter. Like, and she talks about it as if it's just supposed to be this like endearing thing about how you you wanted something so much that you just you manifested this beautiful thing. Wow. But then it's it's with the more she talks about it, it's like, no, I 110% was like a gift to you almost. Um she always would talk about how she and she loved to tell people, oh yeah, this is my peanut butter skin baby girl that I wanted. Oh, and you're just like, but when you are so in that fog, it's so weird because I remember hearing it as a kid and you hear it and you're just like, such a weird thing to hear. But at the same time, you see people's reactions to it and they're just like, oh, it was normalized more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just like eating it up, you know? Oh and they're gosh. just like, tell us, tell us more about how, how this adoption story is so beautiful. And you're over there like, is it but it's so it's like the feeling you got did not match that reaction mm -hmm. and you're just like wait you know because even when i've told it to people mostly conservative christians um they same reaction they're like oh oh and you're like no do i need to tell it again like no 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 um people love so yeah, adoption stories they sure do even when they're the shit covered in the sprinkles and yeah they, you know they lap it up they, they, yeah they're just like this is delicious and you're like is it does it taste that great um god i swear no um so yeah she would she told um so basically yeah she asked for a peanut butter skin baby girl with curl hair, black curly hair is what she wanted um, so specific so it oddly is very specific it's so specific and my i've i've shown on here let me i should have grabbed this before oh 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 we'll just edit that part out i don't oh, do any and editing, that part so. <laughs> oh oh shoot so we'll it's all right it's organic and... it's fine i know huh <laughs> adoptees are just real you know you know what and that's that's what i told myself that's what i told myself i said if you're gonna do this do it like no holds bar because you've held it in you've held everyone else's secrets for 45 years they weren't my secrets right <laughs> but i held them <laughs> Um, so she, while she waited for, after they did the paperwork, she waited yeah. and I liken this 110% to how you see on the videos, uh, the hopeful adoptive parents have nurseries set up. God, I hate that. She loved to paint. And so she painted these. So that this one had, this was my Nick. Yeah, this was my nickname. I could only, and it's, I posted a video just earlier. I could only go by Rebecca or Becca, never Becky. If my friends called and 
you know, they'd be like, hey, is Becky there? Click. Wow. Rebe- yeah, yeah. I have a Rebecca or a Becca. Wow. <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> it is the beast. Yeah, it is. So then, and you know what? And I'm still torn because it's like, what do you do with this shit? Like, I don't want to pass this down. These aren't heirlooms. This mm. is not a family heirloom that I want to pass down. In a way. Family, but at the same time, I'm like. It's a piece of history. Yeah, but what kind of history? Like Your history. I, ooh, but I don't know. But you don't so want again, it. <laughs> I know. I don't blame yeah, you. Because here's where the mindset of this woman was. Mm-hmm. This is the baby she painted. Wow. Like, come on. Tell me what you wanted. Tell me what you really wanted. Wow. You have no clue as to what color baby you're getting. I mean, you put in your request. We've heard that part. But you legit have no clue what you're getting. So to sit there and paint that on a baby blanket, I mean, ew. She was put some thought into that. She sure did. She Jeez. sure did. And they love to say that it was almost like nine, a normal pregnancy because it was nine months practically to putting in the paperwork. And they got the phone call. And I was a bargain bin baby at only $3,000. And I'm just like, oh, my God. They, they actually tell said people that? This, oh, I've heard this. I've heard this story so many times because oh you hear it regurgitated to other people that are over there eating it up and gushing about it and you're just like wait no and i and it's and it's the same thing you know and then you hear your name so my first name rebecca I, as soon as i could drop that i dropped it yeah. um that name hearing it was traumatizing it still to to a degree is when i have 900 just free flowing dollars it's getting axed <laughs> because having to hear it at doctor office visits and have it put on credit cards and things like that. It's like, I just can't. I, wow. I, the first experience I had at Juneteenth this year, I went and got ice cream with another young TRA that I brought with me. And it was his first experience. Went and bought us both ice cream. And they, all of a sudden they're like, Rebecca your order's ready. And I was like, oh my God, they read my credit card name. (laughs) I was like, and it's funny because I can call other people. If their name is Rebecca, I have no problem saying it to them because it's them. That is their name. But hearing it and it's being referred to me, I'm just like, flashback, there she is. Hi. You know, (laughs) I'm like, I have to just, we need to ax it. Um, so 18 switched over to Desiree, but then it hit me when I, when I broke the trauma bond, it hit me. Um, she would tell everyone that I was the desire of her heart. Oh, Desiree. Boom. The translation for Desiree is desire of one's heart. Rebecca is to tie and bind, which is oddly disturbing too. Oh, yeah. But 
so to hear that my name that I'm now going by or have been since I was 18 is desire of one's heart. Uh So when that lady posted that comment and it said that it had two trigger points for me, it was that she put desire and that the amount talking about our, our, our cost. So hearing that you wanted us cheaper and knowing that I've been told I was a a base, you know, a, a bargain baby. And I know that that goes down to being biracial. We've seen it in charts, cost and, you know, cost charts. I was free. And yeah. Oh, see, see, baby scoop. There was plenty of babies to be given away. My parents were actually approached and they were like, would you be interested in adopting? Because my mom had my sister and then had a couple miscarriages. And yeah. So because my dad was a PhD and we're in a nice neighborhood and stuff like that, they were approached and they were like, well, we didn't thought about it, but okay. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) That's like handing out flyers on the street, except for you're handing out babies. Yep. Do these people hear themselves? I don't know. When they're in these discussions, do they? I don't. Oh, it's like I don't feel like they hear any of this. They're just like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was free babies, baby. free babies for all Americans. Yeah, <sighs> and they don't think that this stuff affects a person's psyche. Mm-hmm. How would it not? Right. Well, you How were talking about not? that that video. Let's let's play that real quick. Hold on one second, and just for context. Outspoken adoptee responding to a comment that says, my husband and I can only adopt to start a family and we desire a newborn. Too bad. It'll cost us like 30 to 50K in Texas with little frowny face emoji that has a tear. So you only want a baby. Um, I was seven days old when I was adopted. How much should I cost? Throw a number out. Because apparently 30 to 50K for a fucking human being is too goddamn much. You're literally talking about my life. My life. What is my life worth? What is my life worth? Because it's not worth 30 to 50,000 fucking K for you to get what you've always wanted. What you've always fucking desired. Which is a baby. Do you not think that our birth parents desired to have us? Do you seriously think that people just don't want their kids? Or do you think that maybe we live in a fucking society that chooses people like you over my mother to keep me? They choose your wealth and your money over my life. So what is my life worth? If it's not worth 30 to 50K for you to get your desire, what is my life worth? And just so everything's out on the table, um, half black, you, you can see the shade. This is what shade, this is my summer shade. A little bit lighter in the winter. 
healthy, healthy, minus mental health issues from abandonment trauma, from being severed from my mom, my mom, not the fake ass abusive bitch that I got that replaced her because she also desired a daughter. She desired one with peanut butter skin and curly hair. She custom ordered one. Me. Because her heart's desire, my fucking middle name, Desiree, her heart's desire was me. And no amount of money was enough for her to get her heart's desire. So again, how much is my fucking life worth for you to get a fucking baby in your arms? How much? How much? I, it was so powerful. Like when that came across my feed, I was like, she's pissed and I don't blame her. <laughs> it had I almost started points. crying. I was so moved by it, really. It had those trigger points. I'm just like, these people do not get it. No. They don't get it. And immediately after that, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I made the other one. And then I was like, something made me go to figure out who she was. And I just started recording in one continuous stream. Every video she kept popping up. She just kept popping all these videos up and I'm just watching them. And I'm like, you're a mental health therapist. Wait, what? And I'm watching the next one. And I'm like, you what? And I'm, just, I'm getting more and more angry inside. And then by the time I closed out and went back, she had already blocked me. Hmm. She blocked me from the get-go. Yeah. She probably watched that one video and was like, oh, I can't mess with that one. Yeah. We're from the same community. So she went and attacked all the perceived white ones. Wow. That is the only, for the rest of this whole thing that went on for so long, she just kept attacking them. And I couldn't see any of what was going on because she had me blocked. Oh, yeah. I see that name. Yeah. <laughs> so when T Tampa Bay was replying back, I couldn't see anything oh. that they were saying. So even when she, when I finally posted all of her rants and her story that was just, I can't even believe if the stuff she brought into it. Um, uh, Tampa Bay came back and posted a video that I had never even seen threatening her. Mm. And I'm just like, but it, she brought race into it. She brought race into it of, you know, a, a black, if it, it was any other black woman. And I'm like, oh, this is why you blocked me. This is why you blocked wow. me. Because she talks about me in one of her videos but she goes on to say, you know, but all these white women and, you know, they don't look like me. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, she's nasty. <laughs> she must have blocked me a long time ago because I tried to go comment. It said video not available. And I'm like, hmm. And then I saw where Sarah was going off on her. Yeah. And 
I went and tried to click on that and it didn't work. And I'm like, hmm. And I don't know when she blocked me, but she must have blocked me. Like, I must have come across her FYP and she was like, nah. <laughs> don't want to be she... hearing any of that truth because she wants what she wants, you know. She did. And then she came back after she thought she was so cute. She went through, deleted all her videos. Like, wiped her account clean came back with a new username as if we didn't know it was her unblocked unblocked all of us (laughs) and then started spewing all this stuff again and it's like no and i didn't even get I, i didn't even get a chance to get any of that because she just i think as fast as she did it she undid it she was just like oh yeah yeah, that come one. At me. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But you know, for me to post those, I, I at first I was just using like little bits and pieces, and then I was like, no, no, people get to see what these people do to us, yeah, and what they say to us. You know, I'm so sick of being called ungrateful, oh. yet people not knowing how much we lose how much we go through how much people use us as their baby band-aids and and whatnot yeah totally and like it's crazy because your mom didn't even she wasn't infertile she had three kids like it was just like a (laughs) idea she had all of a sudden it's it's like it's like when somebody's like "Ooh, when i grow up i want to get a a thoroughbred and like they fantasize a bit about it and have mm. statues and you know like uh what this is a person we're talking about not a horse breed you know yeah <laughs> that's i mean and and it just it's like you finally realize like none of these are valid reasons to yeah. adopt yeah you do not adopt a child because you have three boys you know, she even, she tells the, she asked the doctor, you know, how do I get a girl? And he said, change the stud. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know what I mean? But oh I guess it God. was easier to buy a baby. It was just easier to buy a baby. Oh my God. And it's, it's so, it's telling, it's telling that when we become not what they wanted, mm-hmm. how we're treated. I was a sporty child that loved to draw mm-hmm. and she wanted a frilly girl to put dresses on. She yeah. made homemade dresses and she wanted to put dresses on me and put my hair in finger ringlets. That's what she wanted to do and put me in dance classes. And I wanted none of it. She wanted none a doll. Of it. Oh yeah. Which is exactly what my dad has said. You know, that she treated me just like a doll. And when she was done with me, I got put on the shelf. And when she wanted to play, she'd take me down, dress me up, do my hair, parade me around. Yeah, I was always introduced as these are my sons, Bill, Bob, and Ben. And this is our adopted daughter, Rebecca. Oh, she always got set aside. Yep. Wow. And, you know, and I feel like it's twofold. It's one to say, you know, look at us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We did good. We adopted. Uh-huh. 
Um, but to go a step further and to also say, I don't lay claim biologically to this biracial black child. Like I do feel like in ways that it was to set that precedence that no, my wife didn't have an affair or this isn't my husband's love to defend, child. Yeah. Before somebody yes. starts asking questions. Yeah. I was just thinking yes. because it's kind of obvious, you know, looking at them like, well, they're both white. That's where, yeah, like growing up with a Mexican mom, I would often be like, as soon as I would tell somebody, oh, my mom was Mexican, because there's, it's so easy to like relate things to Mexico in the States, you know, and, you know, Mexican food and things like that and be like, oh, my mom's Mexican. I'd immediately rapid fire with, I'm adopted. <laughs> 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 and, you know, like initially it would always be, I used to call it the 20 questions. It's really not, but People would always be like, oh, do you know who your mother is? Do you want to meet her? Yep. And, like, I was extremely angry at my birth mom as a kid because I didn't understand that, like, what my parents had told me. I just knew that I wasn't wanted is how I felt. Yep. And so it was always like, my mom's Mexican. I'm adopted. No, I don't know who my mother is. No, I don't want to know who she is because she didn't want me and I don't care about her. And it was just this, here's this wall. Yeah, like stop talking about it. Yeah, like don't ask me any questions because this mm -hmm. is it. This is all your answers right now. And it might yep. have been because that's how it was for me when I would ask them questions because they didn't have any answers being it was a closed adoption. You know, right. it was just short and sweet. Your mother was a teenager and had to finish school. You know. And? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like with that, <laughs> it's funny though, like growing up with parents that are obviously not the same heritage as you like i i grew up just feeling like i had to explain myself all the time you know yeah yeah you do because they want to know why yeah why why you and you're like i want to know why me too <laughs> like do yeah. you want to come ask with me because <laughs> You know, maybe if you came and asked with me, I might get another answer. I don't know. Right. You know, you, yeah. Yeah. When I do. was, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, my mom, like we would go back to Mexico pretty often because my mom left her whole family there and moved to the States with my dad. And so, you know, her mom and her siblings, nieces and nephews and stuff. So we would go all the time and my cousins would call me Juanita, which means blondie in Spanish. <laughs> and when I was a little kid, it didn't bother me. Yeah. But then when I was there for the first time, I hadn't been back in many years and I was 20 and I had my identity crisis at my grandmother's apartment because it was just, I hadn't been there since I was a small child. And like when you're a little kid, you don't necessarily have that awareness that maybe people are looking at you different. Yeah. I'm sure you do because it's different. It's, being a person I, yeah. of color in this country uh, but that's yeah. like the opposite knew, experience yeah i, mean, I knew since like five people were off putting <laughs> yeah well i didn't i didn't ever notice it when i was little like i'd notice when people would stare at my adoptive dad because he was he had a lot of um health issues and he was he was disfigured he had a couple of um 
condition similar to the elephant man. So oh, okay. when you were out in public with him, he would get stares, you know, and I would always defiantly hold his hand and be like, this is my dad, I'll kill you. And um, mm-hmm. I was very close to my dad. But yeah, I was 20 in Mexico and it was the day we had arrived. And I knew like my first cousins and my aunts and uncles, but I didn't really know my mom's cousins and they hadn't seen her in a while. And so all these people were pouring out of the woodwork coming to see my mom. And my grandma's apartment is full of all these people. And she's introducing them to me. And they're all looking at me like I got an eyeball right here. You know. (laughs) And they're like, like they forgot or I don't know. And I just felt so goddamn out of place. Yeah. I wanted to disappear. You know, and I ended up going into my room where I was sleeping and like writing in my journal and like wanting to be left alone. My one aunt came in and she was like, you do belong here and we love you. And I'm like, I love you. She was my favorite aunt. And um, but yeah. And then after that, I was like super sensitive about it because we'd be in the markets and they catcall, so to speak, you know, like, yeah, what would you like to come? And they'd be like, hey, pasta, guarita, que quieres llevar? It's like, hey, blondie, come here. What would you like to buy? And I'm like, just don't draw attention to me you right know. you're like can we get a box of hair dye yeah exactly that's what i said i'm like can i dye my hair brown or something because i just like it was the worst thing having attention drawn to me like that it, yeah you know and i do oh, yeah I, I felt like i didn't uh, i don't like being the center of attention <laughs> no unnecessarily you know nobody yeah <laughs> no, no. But it was such no. a weird experience. And that's what I call it. That's my identity crisis because it hadn't really hit me until right then. It was like, wow, I'm so different from yeah. everybody. Oh, totally. I think for me, so when I was growing up, my mom had a stroke when I was about seven, eight ish, a massive brain hemorrhage. Mm. She was in the hospital for a long, long time. And I, think I blocked out a lot of that time because it was so traumatic to see this person Mm -hmm. in a bed and they've got the the bags Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know mm -hmm. and she's knocked out she doesn't respond to anything and it just that was really traumatizing I think for me in a fact that I already even though she was not the most loving mother she wasn't uh we weren't close or even when I was little she still was that person yes she was the only and, mother you knew yep and so that risk of that being gone mm-hmm. was traumatizing mm-hmm. and when you're a kid nobody tells you things everybody just talks around you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know they don't ever talk to you they talk around you Mm -hmm. and um and I definitely grew up in the whole children are seen not heard era Mm -hmm. and I just was bounced around from place to place I would stay at the neighbors I would stay in Salt Lake which is about 45 minutes from where I grew up with my mother's mother um my mother's sister never had me um, we never been close, but it just was weird to be bounced around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and 
having her have that stroke, I think also damaged more of our relationship. She became mean. She became ugly. Um, my aunt used to love to remind me that I lost two mothers. I, I don't know why anybody would ever tell that to a child. Like, why would you ever reiterate these things to a child? You know, you've lost two mothers. That's just, that's just unfortunate. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. It's unfortunate that that came out. You're, you know, I think about this now and I'm just like, oh my God, I hate these people. (laughs) I just, I, I want to go throat punch every single one of these people just to make, just, just to see it. I think (laughs) just to see it, just to do it. No other real reason, but because I need to, (laughs) you know, and it's, and I see all these lies and, and everything. Like I had a cousin that I was super close to. Uh, It was my mom's brother's daughter, his second daughter. Mm -hmm. And they used to say that we were like the white and black versions of each other um, because our features were oddly similar. Hmm. And for me growing up, that was like the only piece of anyone that was similar for a long time growing up until I had my son. And I held on so tightly to that. And then when you take off the the rose colored glasses, you're just like, Oh my, no, why? Absolutely not. Like stop gaslighting me. It was all smoke and mirrors, all of it. Like, do these people actually believe shit that comes out their mouth? Like I didn't look any, I look at the pictures now and I'm like, I look nothing like you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you look like this person you look like your family you look like I can see everyone in your family you look like you know yeah <sighs> so what did you have to go through you said you met your mar- your birth mom what did you have to go through to search like how that, how, what that was, was that? so quick quick it was quick which was sad because in my 20 I think I've always actively tried to get away mm-hmm. um from my adoptive family I've moved to Maryland that didn't work because I truly did not know how to be around my own people. Mm. I was scared. Moved to Maryland of all places. I was scared. And I came really, out. yep. Yep. Oh. It was such a culture shock in a different way that I was not prepared for. I was never taught racism microaggressions none of it growing up as a kid and I had nobody to talk to about Mm -hmm. it either so I would come home after um telling another transracial adoptee the Oreo commercials um do you remember the the jingle oh oh who's that kid with the Oreo cookie Uh, kids would sing that because I would have white friends oh god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know and I'm the oh you know kids are mean kids are mean they can be yeah you start to think about all this stuff as you're replaying your reel of life mm-hmm. and yeah so I just slowly yeah slowly things just start to unfold so I finally in my 20s I started to look slowly 
put myself out on, you know, websites and whatnot, but never really looked. And then finally I took a DNA test and within 24 hours, a search angel found, found my aunt and my grandmother had been deceased. Um, I got a hold of a cousin, my, so my aunt's daughter, Mm-hmm. I got a hold of her first because I figured my aunt was is of an older age and having me come in could have completely wreaked havoc and mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. want that. Mm-hmm. So I figured I would reach out to a younger, maybe more progressive liberal <laughs> daughter that would be like, you know, and she would know her mother better than anyone. So if nothing was ever going to happen, it could just stop right there. Right. And the mother would never have to know. And if she felt like her mother could handle it, we could proceed further. I never wanted to destroy anyone's life. Sure. Like, that's not, that is not our goal. No. And I think a lot of people feel like that's our goal. Um, and it's not. I wanted medical info. And I yeah, desperately same. did. I, yeah. And I desperately wanted my mom. Yeah. Like, not going to lie. You know, I desperately, I've wanted her my whole life course you know mm-hmm. um so we it was pretty quick um I was on a phone so I got in touch with this cousin I wrote her massive Facebook thing mm-hmm. <laughs> we got in touch via the phone um she let me know I had a sister um that hit really hard um but then also excitement built up because I was like, oh my gosh, a sister. Um it, everything happened really fast. I met them for my birthday two years ago. Um which now hindsight was the wrong thing to do. Um don't ever meet your birth family on your birthday <laughs> because birthdays are already hard for us. And I done why would I do that? My birthday was my abandonment day. And so I'm thinking reunion, I can fix my birthday. Mm. But reunion turned into secondary rejection. Oh, no. So now, yeah. So now my birthday's like destroyed again. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm like, why? Um, But yeah, so I met her. Um, I found out that the reason I was given away was... I had a racist grandmother, an LDS racist grandmother that couldn't have a black grandbaby mm. and pur- purposely adopted me out um, because she 15 months later is raising, well, 15, 18 months later was raising my half sister. So she was born 15 months after me, but uh, she took her from my mother at three months Wow, and raised her. (laughs) So, so it wasn't that she couldn't raise a baby. Right. She also didn't learn about birth control either. (laughs) Did your mom have any other kids or no? No, nope. They apparently taught her about birth control after that. So, but it was, it was a hard, um, it was really interesting to meet them, but also I, so I went and spent Thanksgiving with them Mm -hmm. at her house in Colorado, my sister's house. Um, my, 
my mother, I feel like is not very treated, treated very well. She's cut off from her sister. Um, I never got to meet my uncle. Like my narrative of everything was controlled, highly controlled by my Mm. sister. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I'm hearing stories from everyone about how racist my grandmother was, but then all of a sudden my sister's trying to change that narrative. Now she wanted me to see my, my grandmother is this saint. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good with how (laughs) I feel, you know? And, and for me, me not hating this woman and talking bad about her to you should be thanks enough for you. Yeah. Me being good with this situation. Um, she wanted me to try recipes of hers and it's just like, stop forcing this woman on me. Right. Right. This, this, this woman never said, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I had an inheritance thrown in my face that I wasn't coming for. Um, that wasn't my goal. I wanted to meet my mom and get medical info. I, yeah. I don't want your racist money. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it really was eye opening. Um, I have, my sister has three children, her oldest son. Um, I met for all of 15 minutes. She was very controlling in that relationship. She uninvited him to Thanksgiving dinner because he possibly could have COVID yet. I came in from another state during COVID and my son flew in from another state mm-hmm. with pos. You know what I mean? And you're mm-hmm. worried about COVID. So you uninvited your own son. Weird. Um, she has two daughters. My niece, one of my niece has a condition, um, a medical condition, mm-hmm. and she does need help and they don't help her. They talk so bad about her and it just, it hurt. It really hurt to see that that racism is still ingrained in her. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came out in conversations and I seen how my mother was treated, my birth mother. That was really hard to see mm-hmm. how she was treated. And then when I had to pull away from my sister, because it, this was just an emotional roller coaster, um, I was met with, you know, deal with your adoption, get over it. This was the cards you were dealt. And I'm thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. You yeah, right. Up. That's such bullshit. Yeah. It's just like, and I just, I had to pull away and, and she took the mom, she took the mom because I, she couldn't have me. I couldn't have our mom. Wow. I couldn't have my nieces after she threatened that if I ever left, I couldn't talk, you know, that I better talk to my nieces because I built a relationship with them. And then she took them away. (laughs) Wow. Just like, it just, it's all mind blowing. It's so mind blowing how hurtful people can be, how spiteful, ugly, mean, you know, I was, you know, as an adoptee, you know, you always worry that when you show back up, you know, to your birth family for, you know, to meet them and get to know them and stuff like that, that they're worried about what your motives are. What does she want? She after money, you know, I didn't hear that from anybody except my dad's ex-wife, my sister's mother literally said that to my sister. She was like, well, 
what does she want? You know, because she she can be after your dad's money and you know that kind of thing. And I know, no, I just want to get to know people. You know, right? I want (laughs) to see if your face matches my face. Yeah, I want to know if there's medical stuff I have to know about. Seriously, been ticking Mm -hmm. this time bomb for how long? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, see, like the thing that really catalyzed that for me is my adoptive dad died a month before my 19th birthday. That's why my birthday sucks was because Mm. uh, February 19th was the day he died. My birthday is March 19th. And like uh, birthdays were never weird for me about the adoption thing. Not really. but that my dad and I were super close and that really like, yep. it really crushed me losing him. But then I also knew like his mom had had breast cancer. She had a mastectomy in the eighties. He had to fly out to LA to convince her to move back to Pittsburgh to get her seen and taken care of. Cause she was in denial. It's like, I'm fine. He's like, no. <laughs> and So I'm like, okay, so grandma had cancer and dad had cancer. And then like a year after my dad died, she beat the cancer for the mastectomy and was fine. No radiation, no chemo, no nothing, just mastectomy and she was good. The year, literally three months after he died, she got sick and she had leukemia. So we moved her in and my mom took care of her, like wham, wham, one right after the other. And then she died. So that really got me thinking. I'm like, yeah. My sister knows that her dad and grandma have cancer. Like, what's in my back? Yeah. And that's yeah. what that's what catalyzed me getting curious. And what made me actually start searching was Mori Povich doing really? a Yeah, he did an online he did a reunion of a mom, a birth mom and daughter. And I had never seen that before. And I'm watching this just captivated. Tears. Oh, I bet. I was not not like audibly sobbing, just silently just tears and snot just dripping off my face. And watching them, the way they move together and like their mannerisms were similar. And it yeah. really was like messing with my head. I was like, oh my God, look at them. Look at them. And then yep. Maury at the end of the show is like, <laughs> oh, there's, you know, these mutual consent reunion registries that you can fill out online and i was like after that it was on and i was doing that all the time i would go i would do it for days at a time for hours and hours and then i would take a break and then i would start looking again and like i did that for years until i was finally i got in touch with this pittsburgh adoption group and they were like well here's what you need to do and my it was actually really fast after that for me yeah. because my grandparents still lived in the same house. Oh wow. Yeah. So that was crazy too, is when I was meeting my grandparents at their house. Like I asked to use the bathroom and I'm in there and I'm like, wait a minute. My mother was puking in this toilet when she had morning sickness with me. <laughs> you know, like and it was just yeah. like you're bam, bam, like all these realizations were hitting me, you know. So that's crazy. And there's so much connection. Like, you know how you were saying, like the adoptive parents, they really want what they want. And then when they don't get that, and that's the thing, we're not going to be like them. Yep. Yep. Because nature at all 
it like you know it's crazy in school i started this project on facebook it's just they're lingering on hold right now but it's um i'd like to eventually create adoption curriculum and i believe that anybody that works in the helping professions of any kind or with children you know um in uh as a teacher or or anything like that they need to like be trauma informed but they also need to understand the effects that adoption can have on a person because mm-hmm. and like because here i am in school for social work the profession that apparently like mastered adoption and they don't teach you crap about adoption not a goddamn really? thing nothing of course not it goes against the grain the societal norm yeah and, and the, we can't and, teach you that it's traumatizing shush well you know no, it's not even that, that brings in in the psychology textbooks all they talk about is the twin studies which yeah. were as unethical as fuck but uh, sure is, still are uh, but sure oh. as hell demonstrate that it doesn't matter how far away we are from yeah. our biological family we are going to be like them oh totally when it was so crazy to sit there and look at my sister we we were like in so many ways we were light and dark versions of each other (laughs) it was so trippy to see that we both had like the same wrinkly fingers i've Mm -hmm. always had these wrinkly you know hands that weren't you know all dainty and stuff Mm -hmm. and to see that she had these like non-dainty fingers i was like good Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, yeah, my brother good. and I have the same hands. Good. Because yeah, I know? have like these dimpled knuckles, and my brother has dimpled knuckles too. Yeah, it was nice to see some of these things. We both got these big old honking ears. Her, uh, her, uh, my son. My son has the big ears, <laughs> and so it was nice to see. You know, boom, 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 where these ears came from. Yeah. And, all these things, my niece, oh my gosh, I probably scared this poor child. I couldn't stop staring at her. I'm just over there, like, stop staring, like in my head, you know, stop staring at her, stop staring at her, stop staring at her. But you just can't help it. Yeah. Because for years we've been it. craving it. Yo, without yeah. knowing it. Yep. I know. My yep. uncle I and I were to... that way. My uncle and I were just yeah. staring at each other and like couldn't stop staring at each other. Yeah, I just wanted pictures. I just wanted pictures because <laughs> the pictures I could zoom in yeah. and just stare at them forever <laughs> and not get self-conscious. Exactly, exactly. And not, I'm not you there's know, nothing weird sorry. here. I'm just looking at yeah. a picture. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it just it's so sad now how fleeting that all was. That how is it sad. just was it's it's gone and I'm just like wow did it almost just makes you think you know did you mean anything because y'all meant a ton in to me yeah yeah but it's like to you it's I don't feel like I did because my sister so we went to one year of junior high and one year of high school together I had no clue I had absolutely (laughs) yeah we, we don't call it Small Lake City for nothing. My brother <laughs> and no... I went to school together and didn't know it. Yeah. She, I feel like she knew because she knew about me since she was 12. However, I 
feel like her alliance to her grandmother mm-hmm. was it. And I knew that she, I feel like the alliance and the inheritance were her two factors mm-hmm. in not finding me. Mm-hmm. Because if you knew you had a sister out there, why would you not find her for not only you, but your mom? Right. Your mom that can't find me, possibly. But see, we think of things differently because we're the ones True. on the outside and we're the ones True. that have this hunger. Burning desire. Yeah. <laughs> Desiree. <Our> burning bosom. bosom. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> well, oh, oh, the other part of my name. Mm-hmm. So my dad's name's Ray. Is what? Ray, my dad, my adopted dad's name's Ray. Oh. Yeah. So it's spelled D-E-Z-A, capital R-A-Y. So she paid homage to him in a way for, hey, thanks, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think these people aren't sick. I felt like my mom didn't know how to name a white kid because she named me after an actress. Like, you know, everybody else is Rosa Maria or Maria something, you know, and like even my sister is Marie Aurelia and like my mom and all of her sisters are, there's a Maria in there because, you know, the Catholics, Mexican Catholic. And so my mom is Maria Angelica and like I was, you know, then they got me and they're like, what do I name a blonde kid? I don't, you know. And so I, I was named after Jennifer Jones, who was an actress and I don't, I've never seen a thing she was in and I got my mom's middle name. So Jennifer Angelica. So, okay. Yeah. But at the same time, how do you, mm -hmm. how do you feel about it? Like I kind of felt left out not having a Latino name is okay. But then I'm like, of course, if you looked at me, it wouldn't make any sense, you know, like true. You know, like, how are you Rosita? Like, <laughs> or something right. like that, you know. You can kind of see it from both angles. Then. Yeah. I had cousins he, that used to like to pick on me. Because at least she could have given me a name that translated to Spanish. You know, that like had a Mexican counterpart. Yeah. But she didn't. It was Jennifer. And like, everybody was freaking named Jennifer in the 70s. So like, I was running to other gens. <laughs> but like i had cousins my one cousin peter he was hilarious and he used to like try to he he was one of those ones like to needle you and so he would call me juana banana he's like there's he's like there's no translation for jennifer so it must be juanita you know and be like juana banana you know and he'd he'd harass me like fine funny you know are you still in contact Mm -hmm. with a lot of your family then i keep in touch with them over facebook yeah okay it cost too much to go to mexico i was invited by my cousin to go for my one aunt's 85th birthday she's the last one she's an aunt by marriage but it's just i i can't because of school and it's you know money and stuff like that right now but, yeah but yeah the, i do keep in touch with a lot of them over facebook and there's so many kids now it's crazy like, <laughs> i don't know because i mean my grandmother had five children and like my mom's two older sisters had six kids her brother had five and her younger sister had six she was the only one that only had one 
and then wow. adopted me and she always wanted a big family you know so it might have my dad's health problems might have contributed to them you know only conceiving my sister and having her but right you know like it makes me feel better that i wasn't adopted through an agency that there wasn't some like massive fee paid to line some agencies you know ceo's pockets and that um i lost my train of thought i forgot what the other thing was but yeah like it, i wasn't sought out you know my mom was right like, i i want a baby you know so. right yeah that sound bite what um and how are you with your biological uh i was rejected also <laughs> yeah it's that it sucks huh well my mother was dead um she she was killed in 1982 when i was 11. um and so when my my intermediary found she contacted my grandparents and they were still at the same house and my grandmother had never told my uncle he was 13 at the time that i was born and she never told him and she's like oh i guess i'm gonna have to tell your uncle and i'm like what you never told him and she's like no wow like, oh that's gonna go well and apparently she called him and she's like hey i need you to stop over after work tomorrow so you can meet your niece you know and he was like what yeah and uh yeah so she basically kept me a secret for 30 years and my mom actually drove me to the reunion and I'm glad she did because I probably wouldn't have made it because I wanted to like pull over and throw up a lot on the way there. <laughs> Understandable feeling. <laughs> I was dying. She's driving and I'm like dying, dying inside. Like, die. Like, it's such a, why is it so scary? Like, the anxiety was horrible. I wanted to like, oh yeah. I, I was like, I couldn't get comfortable and like i'm just like i can't do this i can't do this and she was like you're doing it we're fine i'm like i can't do this i'm like and and you know and they were only 20 miles away from where i grew up my bus went past my mother's grave for two years when i was in junior high and i had no idea you Isn't know crazy yeah I, my sister was 10 minutes 10 minutes from where i grew up oh my gosh and now it's like so crazy um you know my dad he's he's different okay we're different politically but my sister's not she's i love my sister my little sister she's yeah. 17 years younger than me i absolutely adore her and we're very like-minded and um and it was funny because my partner finally met her and uh we were there like just hanging out and uh he was talking to her fiance and stuff like that and um He's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm talking to John and I would look over and you two were just glowing. And I was like, nah. Yeah. It does feel good. Like I I definitely do remember that that glowy just awe feeling of being immersed in it. Yeah. And it does suck. It does suck that that is gone. Um, I am glad it ended sooner rather than later mm. to be more emotionally involved mm -hmm. in it mm -hmm. but you know i feel like we are good judges of character a lot of the time mm -hmm. 
Um, it's that hypervigilance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm also a quiet observer. Mm-hmm. I'm a very quiet observer of people. And so to just be that fly on her wall for a week during Thanksgiving was very telling mm-hmm. to who she truly is in her space that she is the most comfortable in her mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I couldn't do that. It didn't honor me. Well, I was in reunion with my grandparents for three years and my uncle. And um, Father's Day, I was going to make cookies and take them to see my grandfather. And I was feeling lazy that day. And I was like, and it's very, everything was very, very relaxed. Like, I did not call them like every week. You know, I basically was, I took the attitude. They've got their lives. I've got mine. They know where I'm at. I know where they're at. And like, we just more often than not, I did the reaching out, you know, but it was always like cordial and we'd have a good time. And it was like family, you know, we'd play cards and my grandma would chain smoke. And, um, (laughs) but yeah, that, that father's day in 2004, I didn't go, um, to go see them. I was gonna, and I had the thought and I was like, meh, I didn't feel like it. And, uh, Tuesday I get a call from my uncle and my grandfather had died on Monday and, uh, he just, woke up wasn't feeling good laid on the couch all day and by time dinner time came my grandma called him in he came into the kitchen sat at the table and just he was gone and um so my uncle called me and I was very much involved that whole time he asked me if I could like come and stay with my grandmother the next day while he went to the funeral home and took care of arrangements and I was included in the obituary I was there at the funeral at the viewing as like part of the family. That was awkward because lots of people were like, where'd you come from? Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Who and, are you again? Yeah. Outside of the family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my brother was on house arrest and he was let out of house arrest to be there. And um, yeah. And something happened, I guess, at the viewing of the funeral home. Somebody said that I said something. They're like, she's bad mouthing the family and like my grandmother believed it and so like the day after the funeral she had my brother call me to ask me to stay away for a while and i i can't handle that indefinite thing like i was like what does that mean he's like i don't know i'm like what does it mean he's like i don't know so i called my grandmother and she was very cold and very different and One of the last things she said to me was like, you ask too many questions and you focus too much on being adopted. Yes, that I got that. Yep. I got that from my mom and my sister. They hate questions. They don't think we're not going to have them. Yeah, (laughs) right. I told her, I said, what do you expect? I said, I went 30 years of my life knowing nothing. Yeah. Exactly. And you expect me to not be asking questions? Yep. To the one who holds the answers. Yeah, and it was all her goddamn doing that I was given up yep. for adoption. <laughs> you know. She literally told me I didn't want to raise another baby. And she was worried about what the neighbors would think. So, yeah. So, yeah, that ended abruptly after three years. And then my uncle was like, 
he and I had become pretty close, but I think he felt like he was in the middle and he would be betraying her if he stayed in contact with me. And I tried when I was pregnant, I wrote them separate letters, sent them an ultrasound picture. It's like, look, you're going to be a great grandmother. Like, don't you want to know this child that? Yeah. Nothing. But at that point in time, she had pretty severe dementia. And there were signs that I just didn't see when I first met her. And uh, it made sense when my uncle finally told me that. But yeah. So, and with my dad, everything's just pretty relaxed, you know. But I was very excited because I did connect with um, my aunts this year. And I got to meet a bunch of them over the 4th of July. So my aunts and cousins. Yeah. So that was really nice. It's so weird to have just these other people. (laughs) (laughs) They're just these random other people that are strangers, but they aren't. But they They share DNA. Yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. And it's, you know, and I am finally realizing and learning that family definitely at this point is who I make it. My uh, adopted mom had a best friend from like junior high age. Mm -hmm. And I hate that I didn't realize it then. And now it's too late to really kind of realize it um, now that she's passed. But she struggled with a ton of infertility. She struggled with um, infant loss. Mm. Uh, but she never went the route of adoption. She was an adoptee herself. She went through the foster care system and was adopted in to uh, a family, which is so weird because all three of these families are now intertwined. Um, they're intertwined with my family there, you know, so I grew up knowing her daughter as my sister she's eight years younger than me and she always made me and her sisters um we she would go play with your sister you know just in random you know and I think she did it for both of us Mm -hmm. just so we didn't feel so alone we had a connection her daughter wasn't alone we wrote we were pin pals when they moved out of state Mm -hmm. uh when I had my son her daughter was his uh aunt um, when she had her kids, I became their aunt. I'm Aww. actually the the proud aunt ducky. I get a <laughs> title even. Um, and they know that I'm not blood. Mm-hmm. And yet they do not give one care that we are not blood. Mm-hmm. And to see that about children, children are like the best of humanity. Um I had my niece, I go down there for work every six weeks. And so I get the privilege to go spend time with them. And I love my brother-in-law for that. He has, he has no obligation, no ties to me, nothing Mm -hmm. to allow me to spend time with his children. Mm -hmm. And he allows me to do that. And I am forever grateful for that. He want to talk about gratitude. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm grateful for, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is, is is things that I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not deserving of that. And yet he allows me to love his children. And I love that. 
and so to go down there and see these two kids and they just fill me with joy I'm absolutely ecstatic to see them they fight over spending time with me which is so good you know to have that cool title and people this is what people are missing about adoption you don't need that title right you don't need that stamp on a piece of paper you do not need it to erase our heritage on a piece of paper to mm-hmm. put you as our mom and our dad these kids are no genetic relation to me but they see me as such an important role in their lives that if i was gone they would be devastated i would be devastated mm-hmm. And I don't understand how people can't get that, that guardianship would still grant them that same ability to love these children. How You don't need to claim ownership over children right. to still love them, care for them, and provide for them. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. just, it, it boggles my mind. You know, my niece, I had her, uh, she got to have a sleepover with me in my hotel room. And we were talking about miniatures and she goes, Aunt Ducky, I love you. She goes, I know we're not blood family, but me and you are so much alike. We we like so many of the same things. And she's like, I just love that about us. And they get it. You know what I mean? They get it. And I'm just like, how does that not translate to an adult? How is it that a a nine-year-old can grasp that concept that we do not have to be biologically related for us to still love each other and me to provide for her and keep her safe. We're at Walmart at 10 o'clock at night buying her Zyrtec because mm-hmm. I'm not going to let her go to sleep with the sniffles. You know what I mean? And yeah. Sneezing. Yeah. Because I love her. And I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, so do. I don't understand why we need the stamp of, a, I, I own you now. It became something ugly, you know? (laughs) It did. It truly did. And it's just like guardianship still gives you everything that you need to love and protect and help these children to grow and parent them. I mean... And not let them lose everything. Adoption could still be adoption if they fixed it and made it so that it didn't change birth certificates. It didn't seal records. It didn't sever yes. ties you know yes but since they're not gonna do that right pushing permanent legal guardianship you know right the reason they're not gonna do that is because the big agencies have money to lobby yeah the lawmakers and a yep. lot of them are goddamn adopters themselves oh i know you know what was it amy barraconan <laughs> oh yeah god i hate her 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 thing when she got up there and she talked about i i don't know that a lot of people noticed this that when she got up there and she talked about her biological children mm-hmm. she talked about their accomplishments mm-hmm. when she talked about her adopted children she highlighted their struggles that they've overcome <laughs> in a way you know but it was like why did you even bring up their struggles right you just talked about your other kids accomplishments why didn't you just directly say and this one is amazing at this and this one's amazing at that right why did you bring up any of their struggles because that made her look like a savior 
yep, yep. And it just, it was so gross. It was uh-huh. just so gross and so heartbreaking. And I know that half of America was just like, oh, feed us more. Yeah, exactly. Num I, num, eat it up. Yep. I, I, we have a friend. He's a, he's a young guy and, um, he was born to very, very young parents, uh, that were, they were on substances and he was born with a lot of health problems requiring surgeries and he was relinquished pretty much right away but because of all the difficulties he had he was put into foster care and he was not adopted till he was like four years old so he had like two foster parents that he lost and like he's been he's got a lot of Mm -hmm. trauma the kids got issues and his dad's very much like he literally my partner met him one time and he literally was like oh we saved him and because jeff knows like i've told him about like the savior mentality he was like he's he's Mm -hmm. got it you know he was like oh okay his ears perk up just for these like key phrases (laughs) yeah yeah he was like he's he's definitely he's one of them you know and uh, it's really, I'm glad my parents didn't have that outlook. It was, I wasn't saved. I was just, my mom had to finish school. So, you know, whatever. But, yeah. and I feel like, you know, everything is speculation. I don't know because my mother's dead and I can't ask her. But right. she got pregnant while she was still in high school again with my brother. And she married so another his dad. mother that didn't learn about birth control. <laughs> well, yeah, I I feel like maybe she did it on purpose, you know, because yeah. I was gone. Yeah, and she married his dad, but it didn't last at all. And I'm sure she only married him so she wouldn't have to give up my brother. Yeah, and my yeah, dad. How could you do it twice? Yeah, <laughs> and my dad even said. If your grandmother knew that I was your dad, she would have forced us to get married. Is what he said. Oh, only he was 21. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, and the thing that I, I'm going to, I, this plays in my head all the time. I always think to myself that, so my sister, her name's Kimberly. And I always think to myself that if I could ever petition the courts to get my original birth certificate, if it has the name Kimberly on it, I'm going to die. Oh, man. Because <laughs> I have thought that too. Like, oh, was this the replacement? Well, they, you're in, did you have an intermediary? Is that how your search went? Or to get your non-identifying information? So, no, the adoption agency closed as a whole. Oh, okay. Agency. And so, yeah. And so they, I was adopted through uh, Children's Aid Society of Utah. And so they, which is funny because most Mormons go through the LDS family services until mm-hmm. they close down. And I think my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was avoiding having her daughter found out through the church mm. that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a, that's a dirty stain. Mm-hmm. Um, And so she went through this other agency and they shut down. And when they shut down, they notified us and we were able to obtain our non-identifying information from them. So it didn't have your birth name on there though? 
Nothing. No. If she knew she was going to give you up, she might not have named you, though. She may have not. I was baby I just, girl. I always laughed. I'm I baby just girl always thought it would be funny. I know. <laughs> I wish that I had a name, though, sometimes. If my mother had put a name down for me, I may have changed it. I don't know. Not, not going to lie. If it did say Kimberly, I would be on an eight-hour trip to Colorado to knock on my sister's door. <laughs> <laughs> To say hi, replacement baby. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, and I know that's ugly. I know that's ugly. I know that's <laughs> ugly. But so is telling me to do. Oh, did you ever look, look into your dealt. dad? <laughs> um, I did. Unfortunately, um, the search angel who has been uh, absolutely amazing, and then a kind of like a third cousin removed or I don't even know where she fits um completely because it is so much to understand I kind of tie back to three family lines Mm -hmm. um my somewhere along the line somebody had an affair that child that's the product of the affair and somebody else made my dad oh so he possibly himself could be an adoptee. So that's crazy. Yeah. It's amazing how these traumas can just be generational without you even knowing it. So, but you weren't able to <laughs> find him exactly or. Nope. Absolutely not. They, he is just this blank dot on my tree. And, and it's weird because so many people around him are filled in, but him. Wow. It's yeah, so that's where she's really thinking he probably was adopted out. Wow. <laughs> and in that case, that's fun. Oh my gosh. I I I do still want to do 23 and me. I've done ancestry, I've done my heritage. I would still like to do 23 and me just in case. Mm-hmm. But you can export point, your data. Um, you can download your data from Ancestry and put it in a couple different sites. Also, yeah, it's in one of them, and nothing's come back. Yeah, I have. He's, he's a hard hit. <laughs> I have an adoptee cousin. This is really funny. She's actually in my group, and she messaged me. She's like, "Hey, this is kind of crazy." She's like, "But we're cousins somehow," and I haven't. We haven't been able to figure it out how. And like I have both sides <laughs> of my family figured out. She's gone no. through a reunion with both like her families. And it's like we can't figure out. Like it's probably second or third cousin, but it can't figure it out, you know. Right. But somehow we're related. And it's, she's up in Canada and nobody has gone to Canada in my family. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm like, how'd that happen? <laughs> It almost makes you think that these, and I get it, science was in baby stages in like the 70s and stuff, but it almost makes you think that even before that, the 50s and all this stuff, all these booby, baby, booby, baby scoop eras, you almost, yeah, it's like they really, really didn't see DNA coming. No, <laughs> no, they this did not. This was the beast of all beasts and they did not see it coming at 
Nope. Nope. I believe secrets are coming out. I really believe that the record ceiling stems from Georgia Tan and her racket Mm -hmm. because the first law was put in place in California. And I found all these newspaper. I was really having a ball with newspapers.com because it was free for a while. And I was like, <laughs> let's see what I can find. And the first records that I could find where they were talking about adoption law being amended and the state and sealing records was in California. And she sold a lot of babies in California. And there was this specific, like, uh, I forget what it was called now, but you can just call it like random adoptive parent association. And, like, one of the women that was, like, the head of it was somebody who'd adopted a baby through her. And they were the ones that were pushing for changing these records. And she was listed and sitting in on one of these meetings. She had come from Tennessee purposely for that. You know, probably dropped off a few kids at the hotel on the way. And, like, I I really do. Because of her stealing children getting people to be like oh well we need to change these laws really she's like okay you know because then it makes it all the harder to trace these kids back or for the parents to trace the kids back right you know and be like wait my child was stolen (laughs) yeah and it's like i don't know i i did a podcast episode um with judy who was a georgia tan survivor and her birth date was changed and um because when she found her family her mom was like no that's not when you were born and but her three younger siblings were taken um her and her she was nine months old she had a sister that was like two or three and then a brother who was five and the five-year-olds are like the least desirable you know they're not easy to sell and he went into foster care i think and he was abused and had a really hard time you know judy said she got she was lucky and did have a really good family but she knows like her mom and dad split up and her dad kept the older kids and her mom took the younger kids and left and because she was on her own that's why georgia was like aha i can steal these kids right yep and it's still and that's the crazy thing is it still happens because they still go to um i'm trying to think where the last one i heard was but they were going to these villages promising educations mm-hmm. for their children taking the children bringing them here to the united states and adopting them out and i'm just thinking to myself what yeah and and even in the fog like these things were so off-putting to me mm-hmm. but at the same time you're just like oh man i hope somebody does something about that right yeah i really hope somebody's doing something about that because that is really highly unethical yeah but then i look back when i was going to college at 36 i needed um easy material and what's the easiest material to write about lived experiences Mm -hmm. the only problem is and i leave it and it's funny because i leave my portfolio up on my facebook on purpose because it is a story of where i was to where i'm now Mm. i one of my i think it was my english class i did a whole thing on abortion Mm. how you know how cruel it is 
showing all the pictures and stuff. I mean, half the class couldn't even look at them. I was so, you know, against abortion. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I would have rather been, you know. Wow. And then the adoption side was my, it was, I think it was my informative speech. Mm-hmm. And my informative speech was how beneficial adoption was. Oh my God. This is when you know you were just like drinking the Kool-Aid. That's a tale all from day, the fog. every day. That's, yeah. You need to do a Tales from the Fog episode. It's, like. it's so bad to go back and I, I read it and I'm just thinking, wow. <laughs> wow, you were, you know, and what broke me out of the, the trauma bond with my dad was my friend at the time i had bought a tablet for my dad and she's like who did you buy that for she's like you already have an ipad and i was like oh it's for my dad for christmas and she just kind of she was like whoa wait wait Mm -mm. do you hear yourself why are you buying him a christmas present and i because i always do don't you buy your parents' Christmas presents? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but mine aren't abusive. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, huh. I, I took it back. Wow. I took it back to the store. But it was hard. It genuinely was hard to do all of that. Yeah. Um, having him take me out to my birthday for lunch was, oh my God, was extremely tough to sit through one year. Hmm. And it was just all this stuff, but I needed to break away. I lived with them in their basement apartment for nine years. And I started to slowly, this trauma just started to manifest itself in me leaving school to where I couldn't handle school anymore. I was going through episodes of kind of slight psychosis almost mm-hmm. and just flashbacks and just nightmares and everything was unfolding um something happened at the house with my son and I I literally broke every dish in our house I was so upset and these things just aren't normal normal at all mm-hmm. and it just you needed I needed to process all of this anger and rage and when we moved out it took a year to stop hearing her yell my name in my head. Oh God. It was like an audible, audible flashback. And finally, now it's like you have to get away, whether it yeah. is like around the corner, down the street, 3,000 miles on the other side of the planet. You, yeah. you totally need to get away at some point so you can just take a, take a moment to yourself to realize, wow, some of this was not okay. Even if you had a great adoption or you had good adoptive parents, Mm -hmm. you still need to get away Mm -hmm. because there is still moments where you're going to be like, okay, well, that wasn't normal. (laughs) Right. Even in the good, even in the good ones, even in the good ones, people still need to recognize that this is not normal. That yeah. video, um, I can't think of her name right now, posted um, the maternal separation where the babies, I didn't know this, that babies are one with their mothers. Mm-hmm. 
that they don't believe that they are a separate human being yet. Mm -hmm. That video broke my app, just broke me. Yeah. Broke me. And we still take the babies away. Yeah. That's like that one paper. I've talked about it a few times and it's called um, the case for zero separation. And it's uh, the neuroscience of um, birth. And like, it has to do with the practice that hospitals have of taking the baby from mom and putting them in a nursery. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that mild temporary separation. And they were basically saying, stop letting hospitals do this to you. You don't need a break. You know, there's no reason to have the baby out of the room. Right. And they went in to explain how baby's body needs mom's body for regulation. If it's away from right. mom's body, they experience dysregulation. And that can pre-program you the cortisol instead of oxytocin. It puts you into that state of um, fight or flight, that autonomic nervous system kicks on. And in order for the baby to look like they're regulated without actually being regulated, it takes all of their resources. So development stops and it can program you for obesity, diabetes, um, high blood pressure and other things like that. That'll come on later in life because your brain was flooded with cortisol as an infant instead of oxytocin. Right. And this was and even I, just like small periods of time. Right. And that worries me because so when I was taken um I was a code blue baby and it, shortly after and I had seizures from the time I was born until eight wow the problem was is they don't show any seizure activity well then when my son was born I had a semi-emergency cesarean mm -hmm. and then I went into shock for probably a good seven-ish hours, I didn't get to hold him at all mm. after he was born. And when I came off the shock and I finally got to hold him, um, I probably didn't notice his first seizure until he was one. Mm. And who knows if he was having them before then that I just didn't notice. So I took him to you know his doctor and they finally believed me based on my experience with them because mm -hmm. that's the other thing with having no medical history mm -hmm. <laughs> um and they did two EEGs one when he was one one when he was two and saw absolutely no seizure activity mm. so finally I'm researching these few months back and come to find out that over in the UK, they've been researching these. Mm -hmm. They are non-epileptic seizures. Hmm. And they happen to children, mostly children, that have had childhood traumas. Wow. So me having them from birth till eight was always told to me, oh, well, your mother did drugs. So for eight years, drugs are still flowing in my system? I think not. I truly now believe that these were a result of distress in utero, distress during birth, and distress that nobody's holding me. All right. Same with my son. He is genetically going to have that 
distress already. Mm-hmm. There's distress with his um, dad's biological family not wanting this baby in their family. And then me not getting to hold him mm-hmm. for as long as I did. I, I truly almost wonder just if some of that is somehow passed down to him because he had him until he was 14 yeah. and all the triggers for him are exactly the same. In the primal wound, she talks about babies in the NICU also experiencing that same effect of the primal wound mm-hmm. because they're not being held by mom. And like, I, my, my sister had her daughter and she was seven weeks premature and <clears throat> four pounds, two ounces. And it was a similar kind of thing where my sister, it wasn't a C-section. It was literally like, I feel like I have to poop. Comes back, she's hopping up onto the table and she felt the urge to push and my niece was born. And like the doctors were like, holy crap, they weren't even in a labor and delivery room or anything. And so like the last thing she saw was a little purple face as they whisked her out of the room. Yeah. And when I went to the hospital, she was like ready to go down the NICU to go see her. And she's in little thing with the covers on her eyes because she was under um the billy lights you know for jaundice and everything and had iv for fluids and the monitors and all that kind of stuff just this little she literally fit in my forearm and um my sister's looking at her and she looks like a deer in headlights just terrified and I'm like, say something to her. And she's like, what do I say? I'm like, anything. And a nurse is walking by and she goes, it's really good for them to hear your voice. She's like, say anything. And so she leans down and she goes, hi, baby. And immediately her heart monitor, boom, her heart rate went up. She started squirming. And like that struck me. I was like, oh, my God, she knows you. Yeah. You know, like. She knows exactly who you are. And she was looking for her much, you know, in that whole thing. And it was the same thing with my kid. I'm so grateful my partner had the wherewithal to actually record it. But I had a C-section with him because he was a moose. And (laughs) he was 11 and a half pounds. And when they came and put him next to me, you know, I'm on the table and he's crying. And I said the same thing. I was like, hi, baby. And then he was all like, "Mm." and you hear the nurse go, I know my mommy, you know, and uh, don't mind the cat. (laughs) And reenactment of the baby. (laughs) (laughs) He's just getting into trouble up here. Um, But yeah, so it's, it's really like to see, to actually see firsthand a baby recognize mom it's it's so powerful and it like reinforced it for me and it's really funny like having conversations with people i spoke with this woman i never interviewed her she wanted to speak to me for i don't know why she was a birth mom and very involved in like legislation in connecticut and stuff like that and apparently she moves around the country and works on helping to change laws i don't even i wish i could remember her name but she like really got to me because when i was born my i my toes were touching my shin my right toes were bent up and so they had to wow. cast on my foot and she talked about me being in the that's why i was in the hospital for a week and my hip joints popped 
My mother wore a girdle while she was pregnant, and they think that might have had something to do with it. Um, and she was like, she's very quiet on the phone, and she goes, who held you? And I'm like, what? And she's like, when you were in the hospital for that week, and you were in pain and alone, she's like, who held you? And I was like, um, I don't know. And she's like, that's really, really sad mm-hmm. to think that you're a newborn in pain in this nursery and there's nobody there to console you. And yep. she's, and I was just like, oh, I hadn't really thought of it that way. And I was like, wow. And I, I just started crying, you know, because it's true. <laughs> you know, I feel like I don't want to think of it that way, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I really, you know, like, wow. It just, and it's really, it's like that. It's like, I was there, like, was I crying the whole time? And there's like, no, there's so few pictures of me as a newborn. Yeah. And there's like albums of my sister, you know, she was their biological kid. And I'm yep. like, maybe that's what it has to do. But like the pictures that I've seen of me where I was a newborn, I was not happy. Like I was wailing. And I just like wonder how much of that went on. And that's why there wasn't right. that many pictures. Right. They're you like, know? ooh. Let's not take a picture sleeping. of screaming baby again. Yeah, exactly. See, wow. I took I took every single photo that was of me before I made my great escape. <laughs> I took them all. Yeah. I took every single one of them. Um, I didn't want them to have pictures of me. Hmm. Well, They're my pictures. <laughs> when mom died. And my sister and I were going through all her crap. Like, I am very much, like, I take pictures all the time, like, of all kinds of shit. Like, and uh, she's like, what am I going to do with them? I'm like, I don't know. They're pictures of you. <laughs> you know? Keep and them. <laughs> she's like, I don't really want these albums. And I'm like, well, I'll keep them because we can't get rid of them. You know, because it's still my family. Like, there's all these pictures of my cousins when they were young and, you know. So I'll probably make a scrapbook for my nieces one day so that they have connection to their family because they don't really have any connection with the Mexican family at all. And they're half Mexican. It's their family. Like, get this. My adopted, my adoptive sister, because she's nine years, she had to call me to ask for her medical history. Uh-huh. She doesn't know what? No. She was starting a new job somewhere when they moved to North Carolina. And she was like, hey, I have to fill out these new forms for his doctor's office. She's like, what's, what's the medical history? And I'm like, like, do you realize how fucked up this is that I know more about your medical history than I do mine? Yep. You know. <laughs> and I laid it all out and told her everything. You know. And like, that's what is there's something really wrong with that uh-huh you're like glad one of us has this yeah you know <laughs> and i'm like well you know grandma had a mastectomy and dad had cancer and then grandma had leukemia and you know and like wait and i'm like but i'm uh. so my girl, dad may the odds be forever in your favor 
white. I mean, they're forever in my favor. (laughs) I know. Well, I do know now that I have a cousin with melanoma, so I have to keep an eye out out for that, which I figured anyway, because the blonde and the freckles. And I actually, I went to have something removed. Um, It was like a mole that got really strange and, and they were like, oh, it just became a wart. I'm like, oh, great. Get rid of it. And then they're like, ooh, what's this? And I'm like, what? And they found, like, I didn't even know there was this spot on the back of my arm and they did a biopsy on it and it was pre precancerous. So, but at least now (laughs) I can tell the dermatologist, I know that I have a cousin that had melanoma. So, but yeah, that's, it's scary to not know. Yeah. I did the ancestry, the health side of their, yeah, I did the health side. Just, I figured I, got me and my son both dna kits but i just got him the regular one because i'll fill in the blanks with mine mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. right yeah just call it a wash fill in the blanks right but, you know well, and, and i do wonder how this affects you know him going forward because even like right now i'm like i could care less about grandkids i don't care yeah. if i ever even have one i don't care I don't care if my tree dies with me. Well, you know, it's hard. <laughs> I don't think it's right for people to ex- like my mom was always like, when are you going to have a baby? You know, like, and like, that's part of the problem. I believe is there's such societal pressure to have kids. You know, yep. as soon as you're like, Oh, we're getting married. As soon as the wedding's over, when are you having kids, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, shut up. It's none of your business all years after the honeymoon right and particularly that was like we were programmed like women were programmed that that was our job get married find you know find a husband get married have kids for how many years yeah that's the utah standard (laughs) yeah it is it's the standard everywhere though and like it's not right for people like i never really thought of it in that way because i've done that too like oh when are you gonna have a baby and then it's like then i've thought about it and it was like that really contributes to this issue because these people are infertile and then they're like everybody's expecting us to have a kid and then it's like well we want a kid because and i think it just all snowballs you know and i really i have like this theory i'm gonna research it someday and um like with my degree, it's like I originally was like, I'm going to be a therapist for adoptees. But now I really am thinking I want to go into research because I have these theories that I'd like to find out if I can back up. And I really feel like with certain people, infertility can lead to mental health issues if yeah. because of specific <laughs> risk factors that they have, you know, right? Because if you think about, like, I don't know when you had your kids or if you were trying to have them or if it was just nature happens and it happens. Right. But yep. these people that are that trying <laughs> and it starts with like marking down when you're going to ovulate and then, mm-hmm. oh, it's not, and then taking temperatures and writing all this stuff down, it leads to this obsessive pattern of thought. And I think that's how we can end up with these women that are infertile and it goes straight to narcissism. Yep because well and a lot of times they end up getting pregnant after they adopt anyway because all the stress yeah yeah, the stress wears off Mm -hmm. they got what they wanted 
Mm-hmm. Now they're not stressed out anymore. Oh, good. I got what I wanted. That's oh, what happened shoot. to Nancy no, Barrier. I really got what I wanted. That's that's why Nancy wrote the book because she thought she couldn't have kids. She adopted. Whammo got pregnant, and she's yeah. raising these two little girls in the same way. And she's like, "Why are they different? Like what?" Yep. And that's what spawned the whole idea to write to do the research and write the book. You know, because well, when you bought and <laughs> when you had. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I feel like I could talk to you for like eight hours straight and probably have a good oh, time. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm like, eh, at some point I have I to know. work for my, my whole hour tomorrow. I know. I've got school tomorrow. So we're on our, our wrap this up. small stores, so I don't have to work as much. And I love it. Oh, that's good. I that's know. Good. I don't get paid as much, but I do love it. <laughs> it's nice to have a little downtime, you know. It is. It Everybody is. needs it. It is. It's good for the mental health. Absolutely. Side of it. So, well, this was fun. I'm glad. And this helps. This definitely has helped because ask me, ooh, even nine months ago, I probably, nope, wouldn't have done this. This is not, I don't even like doing Zoom. Uh, telehealth really yeah oh yeah no none of this none of this but finally i was just like you know what i have to add my voice everybody else is 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 finally doing this having a voice from a different generation a different perspective of being a transracial one uh adoptee and then as far as like i said this unique culture that Mm -hmm. is doing adoption wrong Mm-hmm. is is a voice that needs to be heard absolutely and especially after i started seeing in the group that i'm in here in utah for trans for white adoptive parents and they are they're just they are just so gross it's all about <laughs> it, it, it they really are it's all about hair care and skin care and that's it and play groups getting them together once a month oh my and gosh. it's just like no you know no, you're doing it all wrong. Um, but they don't want to hear that. They no. oh, they gaslight so bad. I've been called every name in the book. Oh, man. And it's just like, wait, you do realize you're talking to a grown version of your child. Yeah, basically, it's right. Just, they don't want to hear it. Uh, no. And I don't, it's hard to understand. It's, it really you think is that, that would be the one thing that they do want is like oh oh okay your kid has gone through this illness before help me with it please right but we can like, be an asset oh, right yeah but with adoption they're like oh mm-mm, not all not all right a hundred percent yeah not all and you're like okay well when they go off to college and don't come home not all (laughs) (laughs) right i'm so very glad that you were willing to do this and this is fun is very valid and so important and uh that's what i like about the podcast because like i love tiktok it's too much fun but Oh, they are. It is fun. But a little three addicted. minutes is not enough to tell our stories. Totally. And if you if you upload the longer ones, which, you know, I have done it, 
is it going to get heard? Is it going to fully resonate with somebody, you know, because we do live in that. Oh, I think these. I can't hear you. Uh Uh-oh. There you go. There we go. Um, They, I feel like anything longer than that is to a point where it's like, do they check out? Because we're so used to doing the swipe. Ooh, ha ha, funny, funny, funny. Yeah. Ooh, ha, ha, it's a short swipe, format. Funny, funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's where I made that video the other day. And I was like, we don't need to say that obviously some kids have a situation that they're not safe in. Because we know that. You know, right. like we don't need to add that disclaimer to every video. Right. You know, it goes without saying. Yes, some kids are in situations where they're not safe and do need to be somewhere else. Do they need right. to be adopted? No. No. <laughs> no. Right. But do they need to be somewhere where they're safe? Yes. And we understand that. You right. know, I mean, right. hello. Like, but every so often there's that comment and they're like, well, what about the kids that are in unsafe situations? It's like, obviously. I know, as if it was a brand new question. Right. Nobody's ever thought of that before. No. Thank I, you for bringing that to our attention. I've never been <laughs> asked if I'd rather be aborted either, so. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, some of these, if if you really did have a dollar for everyone, you'd yeah. just be like, thank you for my retirement. Yes. We have to get a thick skin doing this. You do. You can't be an advocate for change with adoption and, and have a thin skin because these people say some horrid shit. Yes. You know? And I definitely think I've developed a lot of my thick skin through, even though I can in a minute get so angry. Um, you do develop a thick skin having to put up with the stuff mm-hmm. you grew up hearing. Mm-hmm. And you grew up knowing that you were for somebody else like in my case I knew I was somebody else's mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a taxing job yeah to know that you serve somebody else's purpose in life yeah right they don't serve yours you serve theirs <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right yeah. well we've thick skins <laughs> yes so on TikTok, you're the outspoken adoptee. Are you also on Instagram? Yeah, same same handle. Same I name. That, that I originally was on there just uploading art, healing through my art. And then I was like, oh, I have too much to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm angry. But I don't want to be the angry adoptee. I think there's already one of them. There, there probably is. There, there might be a couple. And they yeah. can be angry because I am still angry. Oh, I yeah. Just, yeah. It's I, valid. Yeah. There's... I just felt like I needed to finally be boisterous. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, it fit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Desiree. This, this was fun. Yes. Well, you have a really good night and I'll let I'm you know cry. when it gets posted. All right. You so. as well. <laughs> All right. Good night. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.